Hey there, goal getter. I'm Monique Malcolm, your host, productivity expert, and coach. Are you ready to bid farewell to overwhelm and fear and start making some real strides in your life? Then buckle up because the Take Tiny Action podcast is the solution you've been waiting for. In each episode, we'll share actionable insights, personal stories, and arm you with the tools you need to tackle life's biggest challenges one tiny step at a time. So grab a cozy drink, take a deep breath, and get ready to take the first steps towards a life you love. Welcome back to another episode of Take Tiny Action. Today, I have a special guest who's going to share her expertise on a topic that touches all of us in one way or another, home organization. Whether you're drowning in clutter, struggling to find a place for everything, or simply want to create a more peaceful, functional living space, this episode is for you. Joining us today is Carly Adams, the owner and brains behind Tidy Revival. Carly has transformed not just homes, but lives through her personalized one-to-one work and within her exclusive community, finally named The Club. What sets Carly apart is her unabashed love for organization. She describes herself as an organizational nerd and channels this passion into her podcast, The Tidy Revival, where she dwells deep into the emotions of decluttering an organization. In today's conversation, we're exploring an often overlooked aspect of clutter, the sense of isolation that can come with feeling overwhelmed by our stuff. Carly's here to remind us that if you're going through it, you're definitely not alone. So without further ado, let's dive into this enlightening discussion. Hello, Carly. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, ever since we met, I I just love the energy that you put out. And I know that what we do is really, really similar on with the premise of like focusing on the tiny actions that add up to big results. And I'm just really excited to be here. So thank you. How did you become what you dub yourself as an organizational nerd? What led you to starting Tidy Revival? Yeah, I always call myself like a former hot mess express turned home organizer because truly I did not have organizational systems in my life. And from my home, the built up clutter, zero systems, financially a mess. All of the things were causing me a lot of stress and anxiety. And I didn't really know how to get out of that loop. Once I started, once I did get started, I ended up just basically going down the rabbit hole and realizing how intertwined everything was. And I know that there's a good chance you can probably relate that once you start taking those actions, like especially in your financial life or in your home life, it can trickle into these other areas where you don't necessarily expect it to, but it's it's this amazing result of feeling like, oh, I can make this change. and Oh, this is figure outable. And oh, I can improve these different areas of my life. And so I went through a financial journey, but I also went through a giant decluttering and home organization journey. And it led me to believe that if I can do it, truly anyone can do it because I'm not that special. And I don't mean it to be, you know, self-deprecating like, no, you are special. But what I mean is that we all, it's something that anyone can get and achieve. And so I knew that I wanted to start my own business. And I knew that I wanted to do something that felt meaningful in a heart-centered way. And because this made such a huge impact on my life. I wanted to bring these changes to other people who might be feeling overwhelmed and really struggling and not 
know where to start, give them simple strategies that worked for me and kind of toss out a bunch of the things that don't work and overcomplicating everything. Like, let's get rid of this. Let's talk about the things that are very simple and small actions that we can take, add up to big results and just help people through that. So that's how I started Tidy Revival and that was in 2017. So here we are now. Oh, so six years of helping people get themselves together. When you work with people, I know you work with people one-on-one, you have a community, you have your podcast. What is the most common clutter issue that you see? Are there certain rooms or items that they tend to find most challenging? Mm -hmm. I think I was really surprised when I first started in this realm. It's like, it should be more obvious, but even if you've gone through it, you kind of feel like, oh, my journey must be my own and other people might be dealing with things in a different way, but it never ceases to amaze me and my colleagues how much of this is really mindset related. Mm. So it's it's not even like, oh, the kitchen's out of control, but the bedroom's okay. It's really, my folks are overwhelmed with too much stuff. And it's not that I don't, you know, help people create beautiful pantries. It's not that I don't, you know, help people create beautiful pantries or a lovely guest room or whatever the case may be. But really in my marketing and in the work that I do, I focus on the folks overwhelmed with too much stuff because emotionally those are the those are the projects that really have brought me the most joy to help other people work through this versus me creating this beautiful space for you but you're not really involved in the project and you don't really need any help uh, decluttering and so a lot of it ends up being mindset work and realizing what patterns and behaviors and habits we have in our life that have brought us to this moment and figuring out what we need to do to change to get the result that we want because there ends up being a disconnect sometimes between what we want and the things that we're continuously doing that keep us stuck in this pattern so helping folks more objectively remember in their own words what their goal is and having an objective view about the tweaks that can make as far as their habits that will help them get to that goal and what habits maybe don't serve us anymore and that we can reevaluate in a gentle way, in an understanding way and coming from a, a viewpoint of empathy versus like some sort of weird organizational dictator <laughs> on a hill. And I... I always tell people, like, I'm not here sitting on this throne of perfection looking down and like, oh, you know, don't do this way. <laughs> it's more like, man, I have been there. I completely understand what you're going through. This is really, really hard. And I know it's really, really emotional. And we just work through things bit by bit. So it sounds like there's a lot of a crossover with the emotional weight of having all this clutter and even fear. Because a lot of what I, I talk with people about fear is recognizing patterns, recognizing when it shows up, the awareness piece. I think you hit it on the head when you talked about like the patterns and habits and things that we do. We autopilot so much that we don't even realize that these are compounding the problems that we say that we don't want. So we don't want to have all this clutter in this room, but there are things that we're just doing on autopilot every single day. That's contributing to that problem instead of helping you figure out that problem. So I think that's such an interesting thing that 
at the core of a lot of people's problems with decluttering and organizing is really mindset. There's like a thing there that there's something that needs to be unblocked. And so you're helping unblock it. Which is, and that's my favorite point is when I'm working with someone, there is a point when people really like things click and the flip switches and then they're just on a decluttering rampage. Like you could not, you couldn't get them to stop decluttering if you tried because they figured out what isn't serving them and why and working through their life for them. And then they're off to the races. And it's it's amazing. It's my favorite thing. So I want to talk a bit about how decluttering can feel isolating. What have you found when you work with people or maybe even from your own journey about how that can feel very isolating and we can feel alone when we have a lot of stuff going on in our homes? I think there's a lot of different aspects of adulting that as we get older, like I'm 40 now, and there are a lot of things as I grew up that I kind of just assumed that everybody had under control and I didn't. And I was just, you know, the weirdo, the outsider, and everyone else must have it figured out, but not me. And it can just feel like there's something wrong with you and that everybody else either inherited this knowledge from their family setting or they were born with it. And with organization, I think it can really feel like some people are naturally organized and some people are. That wasn't me. And truth be told, it wasn't necessarily like the forte of my household growing up. And so there were a lot of things that we're all just kind of learning on our own. And because of that, it can be really, it can feel embarrassing to be the one to ask the question. But what you don't realize is that it's a lot of people's secret shame, you know? And I think even looking on the internet, we can see people and like, oh, they have this beautiful family and like, oh, they're doing these activities and oh, they have this beautiful home. But you might not realize that, you know, maybe they're taking these gorgeous pictures out and about because they don't want to see you to see inside their home. Or maybe, it's a beautiful picture like right here on Zoom, but not outside of where the camera shows. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of fun things on Instagram lately where, you know, they'll show like the beautiful kind of center shot and then they'll pan to the side and it's just totally trash. And they're like, this is real life. And I love things like that because, you know, even organizers like I posted something the other day that it was about resetting my side of the bed and how. Even though I help people tidy for a living, there's nothing more that I really love than just throwing my clothes off on my side of the bed at the end of the day. So I need to tidy it up like multiple times a week, but it doesn't happen every single day. That's why, because the systems aren't there to be kept up perfectly in the moment or else you're not good at organizing. The systems are there so that we can reset them when we need to and be able to quickly put things away and find what we need when we need it but not to have to keep up perfectly in the moment 100% of the time because it's not realistic. And this is my favorite thing, and I'm saying not realistic. So if people feel stressed out about it, I think then that's why it can feel so isolating is because people think, well, everybody else must be good at this, but not me. Or if they create systems and then the systems fall apart, they can be thinking, see, I knew I'm not good at organizing. That's something that I hear all the time. But it's just not true. It's just that the systems need resetting and that's fine. 
I think that we're in such an interesting place with social media, especially Instagram and TikTok of like, we are aestheticing ourselves to death. Everything has to be aesthetic. The fridge has to be aesthetic. I don't care how the fridge looks on the inside. It's closed all day. It's closed all day and it's dark in there when it's closed. I'm not standing in front of the fridge thinking, oh man, it's so beautiful in here. I wish I could just stand here and stare into the void longer. I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But I really do think that we are doing ourselves a disservice by aestheticing ourselves to death. Everything has to be aesthetic and super clean and neat. And I think that there's a time and a place where, like I said, I need things to be put away in order for me to be able to focus in my office. But I mean, this is not, this is a maximal space. If you've ever seen my office, it's color, there's patterns, there's a lot of things happening here all the time. I just don't think that we need to do all of that. 100%. And it takes up so much time. I would much rather people be out living their best lives or playing video games or reading books or things versus trying to make like this aesthetically pleasing Instagrammable bedroom. It's it's not the flex that y'all think it is. It really isn't. Carla and I talked a little bit about my financial journey and just how being on a journey like that and and paying off debt can feel really isolating and really lonely. And I think that a lot of people are struggling with that too. Looking on social media and seeing all of these perfectly cleaned houses and like how you should have all these tools and things to clean your house. Like the people who are selling things for the Amazon stores and they're like, you should have this spin brush for your bathroom and you need this tiny vacuum for your mattress and you need this steamer for your sheets. And I'm like, where are y'all storing all of that? How many closets do you have in your home? Because I need to know. Steaming my sheet? Are you out of your mind? I don't have, I don't have time for that. I don't have any children and I don't have time for that. So especially because I work with so many busy parents, like time is, and I think I heard you say this on your own podcast recently, like as a reminder, time is the thing that you can't get back. You can't get it back. (laughs) It's finite. And so how we choose to spend our time really matters. And I don't want people worrying, taking their time, worrying about having Oreos decanted in a glass container in beautiful circles so that they, you know, line up gorgeous, just like you saw in a Kardashian pantry. Don't worry about it. They have a full-time staffer for that. That's the difference between us and that. That's fine. I'm happy for you or whatever, but I don't need to decant everything in my life. And to your point, like have this like beautiful area that no one's going to see. And I love beautiful spaces. But I also love people getting their time and energy back more than a beautifully curated space just to have it. If it means that you're, all of your time and energy is sucked up by it and you're actually miserable because you would rather spend your time doing the things that matter more. I agree. I have a lot of nieces and nephews. My sister has seven children by herself and all of my siblings are not even that old. So there will be much more nieces and nephews before it's all said and done. <laughs> I have committed to have, like living in a space that is beautiful, just unlike what I've chosen, but is lived in. Like I want to live in a space that's lived in and have couches that people can sit on and pillows that we can throw on the floor. Or throw like yeah. I don't want to. I don't want everything to be so sparkling and beautiful and clean that that like the kids are afraid to come over here and they're like, oh, don't touch Auntie Mo's couch because you don't know 
Like, no, come here and like lay on the couch, throw some pillows on the floor, get some blankets. Like, let's let's live in this. It's a house. Let's live in this house. It's not a museum. (laughs) Yeah, I I my dog is she may or may not hear very snorry. He's very drooly. That's just kind of his vibe. And I need a space where he can feel comfortable. Like trying to stop a dog from drooling is just like we do what we can, but he's just going to drool on some things and it's fine. It's fine. So in your experience, what are some of the emotional or psychological factors that contribute to clutter accumulation? I'd expect to be like a lot of trauma things, but. You tell me because you're the expert. Okay. I'm going to give you a specific story. Not so specific that anyone find, but a specific story comes to mind because this, this type of thing happens all the time. I was talking to a client a while back and she was talking about the state of her home, which had just clutter had built up. Her systems had unraveled, but in many different spaces, she was having trouble figuring out where to start and making the progress that she wanted to. For a lot of my folks, we work with, as I mentioned, a lot of, yeah, but anyway, we work with a lot of neurodivergent folks. So a lot of my clients and folks in our private community either have ADHD or their children do or both. So those sort of things come up a lot. I work with folks on the autism spectrum. It's just a, uh, just a variety of different things going on in their life that then also contributes to decision-making, your needs, your system set up, that sort of thing. So I was talking with, with my client. She happens to have ADHD. She also has a very demanding job, demanding home life. And she was just feeling really down about what was going on. Something to the effect of like, I don't know what happened because it didn't used to be like this. But a couple of years ago, it just started getting out of control. And I was like, I kind of raised my hand. I was like, I I know what happened. She's like, what? And I was like, you've shared with me, you know, this family issue that you've had where suddenly that completely shifted what was going on with her, with her job. She's working with folks in her job that need extra care. And it just took like an extra mental toll on top of the pandemic. Everyone was basically extra affected in these ways on top of this collective trauma that we all experienced. I'm like, you're said you're telling me the timeline of what's going on, but I know the timeline of everything else that's happened. She didn't realize that it was all related. But again, you only have so much time. And it's fair. If your extra time is taken up because you have needs going on in your home life and your family where you just need to it gives people some extra support, one of the first things that's gonna go is keeping up with your systems. And that makes sense. So we call them, um, you know, my colleagues and I will we'll refer to them as like a triggering event. So it's not necessarily what happens all the time, but if folks have found that something has happened in their home where things feel chaotic, it didn't used to be that way. When I hear like those, those words, a lot of times it could be an illness in the family, a death in the family, a death in your friend group. It could be a global pandemic. It could be a job loss. It could be a hospitalization or some sort of illness that came up. It could be a mental health crisis that you're going through. All of these different things can just kind of throw your life into disarray and to get you off, you know, your usual schedule. And then it's 
this ripple effect that goes through, uh, you know, your home, but also your mental health could take a toll with any one of these things. And so that they, they end up going hand in hand. And once you, you know, as the person who's experiencing it, I think it's also really helpful because then you can show yourself more empathy, give yourself the others give for you as well. Goodness. I mean, we could talk all day about just societal pressures and just things in general that impact people's ability to be able to function on just a core, like a basic level. I mean, that's that's an entire podcast by itself. But you say, say something that I think is really encouraging when you talk about organization being a journey and not a destination. And I think that's really, people need to hear that. So could you explain what you mean by this? Oh, yeah. So something that I hear all the time when folks are getting started is that they, and this comes up frequently, so people, it sounds like I've said it before because I've heard it a lot, but people get really discouraged about even getting started, getting organized because they don't, A, they don't know where to start and B, they feel frustrated that it's quote unquote never going to be done. And so if it's never going to be done, why start? And the reason that I urge people to start is because, again, it's, it's this healthy habit building. So instead of thinking of it as something that's never ending, I like to think of it as a healthy habit, like other healthy habits that we want to incorporate in our life that are beneficial to us and to our stress levels, blood pressure, all sorts of things. But other things that fall into this category are, you know, if you were eating clean, we're not even eating clean, but just eating nourishing foods, hydration, sleep, hydration. I love that as a model because say one day you drink, you know, three glasses of water. It's not really enough for you. But then the next day you're not going to say, OK, well, I have three glasses of water yesterday. She had eight. So three, eight, today I'll have 13 glasses of water and then I'll be caught up. You know, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> like one day, you, you know, you're not on your game. It's fine. We let it go. That was yesterday. Today, we're going to aim for eight. It's a new day. It's just like sleep. You don't get sticks one night and then aim for 10 the next night. You're just, we just do what we can do. We're all doing the best we can. But every time that we tap into these kind of like, to use corporate speak, like a best practice for our life, it does help enrich us and it does help with our stress levels and our overall, you know, human being wellness. Uh, but, but that's okay. It doesn't need to be done. And it's not going to be done because we constantly have things coming into our life, which is why, tiny tangent, this is a really great thing to especially start, you know, with folks' kids. And the earlier, the earlier, the better that we learn it. I think people can be really resistant to involve, to involve their kids in like the decluttering decision making. But these are the types of skills that will serve people for literally the rest of their lives. Eighty-five year old. These are things that can help us all because we we will constantly have an influx of things. So it's being able to figure out how much is the right amount for us is that just is helpful. What you just said about we will constantly have an influx of things makes me think a lot about consumer culture and those Amazon shops. And those TikTok shops that are those videos designed to make us buy more things. How do you feel that plays a role in clutter issues? And how do we strike a balance between owning items we love and not being overwhelmed by them? 
I think that is a really amazing question. And there are two principles and kind of, I'm using air quotes, you can't see, but rules that I talk to folks in my community about, my clients. And I think there are great things to help you think about how much is right for you. And that amount is going to be different for everybody. And I'm not like, if you're looking for someone to say like, you should have 16 books and that's the right amount for everybody or whatever, you know, like what's the right amount of this? Like, however is the right amount for you. And there's two things that'll help you figure out how much is right for you. One is called the space rule and one is called the numbers rule and they go hand in hand. So the numbers rule is figuring out what the right number is for you. And as an example, I like to talk about this experience I had with a client who was, we were decluttering her kitchen. She loves to entertain. She had a bunch of different kinds of glasses. She likes every party to have like maybe like a themed cocktail or like a special drink. So she wants to be ready for it. So she had these cute juice glasses and she was like, these are great for cocktails or like a small drink. And um, they were from my wedding and I really love them. And I was like, okay, well, how about this to figure out the right number? Because we had a lot of different glasses and she was overwhelmed with too much stuff in her kitchen. So we were actively looking to like see what we could call. So I said, okay, when you're hosting a party, how many people are at the party before you decide that you're not doing dishes and you're switching to single use? Because there's, everyone has that number, right? And she was like, oh, that's easy. It's 18. Very quickly. Okay, perfect. So we have 55 glasses. And I think like of this type of glass. So what if we keep 25? Then we have plenty in case some break. You still have extras for, you know, the memories. You know, we're not ruining the set if a couple of them break over time. But then that's still like over half the collection. She was, she was like, that sounds amazing. Another example I give all the time are reusable bags. Yes, very helpful, but keep getting more constantly. And like, you can really only use so many. So that's, that's a, an area where it's pretty easy for people to figure out a comfortable number for them. And more than likely, they have way more than that. But say you're like, okay, 12 is the right number for me. Then you can go through your collection, pick your favorite 12 and let go of what I'm assuming is the other 37 because that's so many all the time. So that's the number rule. It's just using like a number to figure out what's right for you in your home. It goes hand in hand with space rule and that is figuring out how much space you want to allocate to that. So maybe you have books. Maybe you love books. Maybe you have tons of bookshelves and they're all completely overflowing and you have piled the books on the floor. From there, you're either going to need to figure out where can your home accommodate more bookshelves so that you can make that collection you know, looking great again and not falling everywhere or you need to get rid of some books. And that's just kind of, that, that's how we get the home that we want. If we're feeling overwhelmed with too much, then we either need to have less or store it in a more cohesive way so that you can find what you need you need it and you can comfortably store it. And that's, I know that that's a really simplified version. It's very much easier said than done, but that's where we want to start. What are our goals? And how much space do we want to allocate for this? And what decisions do we need to make in order to get there? Ooh, I know. Do you, <laughs> I know, like, in theory, that sounds all simple and great. 
But yeah. be honest, do people like kind of resist that when you say, okay, so we need to pick a number? <laughs> so I will say that the folks that are coming to me are ready, generally ready to make a change. They're only coming to me because they want some help in figuring out how to make the decision in order to make a change. If they're not ready to make change, then they don't want to join my community. They don't want to work with me. I do get a lot of inquiries from family members for other people. Mm. And the, But if the person's not ready to work with anybody, then it doesn't do any good to move forward with that. So mostly folks are receptive because they're in the mental space where they want the information in order to make a change. Now, it could be that getting rid of a certain category of items doesn't work for them emotionally. I've mm. worked with folks where we've gone through their whole, oh my gosh, like their whole home, their whole business, but they're like, we're not going through my closet. Don't even ask me about my closet. Don't touch it. You got it. I have other folks who have gone through their home, their business, their storage. They're like, don't even think about asking me to donate a book. No, the, none of the books are going. That's fine. But if they have too much stuff, then it, if, again, the feeling is overwhelmed by too much stuff, which generally everyone who comes to me is, then we need to figure out if it's not books, then what is it? Like, what is another area where we can create some bandwidth so that you have more room for books? Mm. That makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. So it's kind of like, all right, we're going to get rid of some of this so that you can squeeze more books over in that corner because you don't want to yep. get rid of them. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, yeah. Yeah. If it works, it works. So, <laughs> you know, people are people have their quirks. I have my quirks, so I get it. too. So everybody has their something, but, you know, taking tiny actions is the name of the game here. And I think you've mentioned this as well. That is also a key in the process of decluttering and organizing. So can you share some practical tips or advice for individuals who feel overwhelmed and they're unsure of where to begin? Yes. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to create an action plan. I'm going to have you take a piece of paper, pencil. And pause now while you get it. Come right back. We're going to make this action plan. But the, it really is about these small steps. And our aim for our action plan is to create steps that can take, you can take action on 20 minutes or less. And I will describe this. So I want you to name three places in your home, like three different rooms. Three different rooms that are stressing you out the most. Whatever, and, and you'll know it. It's usually when I say that, people are like, oh, that's and they got it. Whatever's stressing you out the most for you. And I want you to list it out on a piece of paper and leave some space in those lines. So I'm going to give the bedroom for an example. If you name your bedroom as a space that's really stressing you out, I want you to break down the tiny actions in the bedroom that would get you towards an organized bedroom. So we're not going to worry about the bedroom as a whole room. We're going to worry about it in tiny chunks. So maybe that's your side table under the bed, the air, big old pile of clothes at your foot of the bed. Maybe that is a laundry basket that needs to be put away. Maybe that is, you know, in a hanging row of clothes. Maybe it's like one side of your closet at a time. Maybe you have three sides of the closet that just need them one at a time. 
maybe as a dresser listing it by drawer so that you could just take small chunks of time and just declutter that space and figure out if you need organizational solutions from it. If you do, I have so many resources where you can find inspiration for organizational solutions. I'm happy to be a resource as well. But yeah, that's where I would start. It's just the three biggest spaces bugging you, listing out teeny tiny chunks of time. In our group, we have a saying, and it is, every win is a win. Sometimes when we would start, we would ask folks like, hey, what are your wins? It's like, oh, well, not that big of a deal, but I did this. Like, there's no, like, not that big of a deal. Oh, it's a really big deal. I want to celebrate every single step because every single step matters so much. And we want to cheer. We want to cheer on every bag of donations like you, we just hauled away a dumpster. It's the <laughs> same thing. I love that. You mentioned resources, so I think this is a good place to ask. Is there a book or any person who greatly influenced your approach to home organization? Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of resources that I really, really love. On my podcast, we did, I did an episode with one of my colleagues. She's my accountability partner, too. So we end up talking a lot about home organization. And we shared our favorite resources specifically for our ADHD clients. So these are more ADHD related, but a couple of amazing books that I love and highly recommend in this realm is one by Lisa Woodruff, who's also talking about this book, but it's amazing how ADHD affects home organization, understanding the role of the eight key executive functions of the mind. And then a book by Susan Kinsky, which is called Organization, Organizing Solutions for People with ADHD. Another resource that I was absolutely obsessed with when I first started my entire journey, and she was a huge, huge inspiration and resource to me, is Rosemary Groner, and her platform is called Busy Budgeter. She has a lot of really, really wonderful resources. I based my whole meal planning system on tips from her, and we've been in the same system for like a decade she's just <laughs> she breaks things down in very very straightforward ways appreciate that all right so i will make sure i add those to the show notes before we wrap up do you want to tell us about your community and your podcast yes thank you so much so on the tiny revival podcast i'm talking to either organizers sometimes i'm talking to past clients or folks in my community about their experiences we really dive into the emotions behind decluttering an organization versus just a straight how-to. Not that you won't get tips along the way, but it really is an emotional journey. We want to give folks space to understand, you know, like we were talking about, that they're not alone in this way because it, it can feel so completely isolating. So we hope to give folks resources around that. And then in my community, it's called Tidy Revival the Club, and it's private Facebook group where we're giving people weekly tips and action items. We are giving folks accountability. We are cheering people on endlessly. Folks are sharing their win. And it's just a super supportive community where you can find other people who are going through it as well and have a safe space to ask a thousand questions that you're Awesome. And where can people find you online? We are at tidyrevival.com and then on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok at Tidy Revival. 
All right. So I will add those to the show notes as well. Well, thank you again for being on the show. Everything that you shared, I know that's going to be so helpful and really change some things for people. Because as you said, organizing and decluttering is very emotional. So I know there's someone on here who needed to hear what you had to say. And I love how your approach is not to beat people down and be like, you are a mess. You need to get it together. I love that you're just like, it's okay. It's fine. We can do what we can and we can make it work. And I just love that approach to so many things in life. So thank you for that. 